Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father, and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. Do me a favor, turn in your Bible to the book of Nehemiah. So last week, last week we did the book of Ezra. Ezra was a high priest, he was a scribe, and he came to Jerusalem when they were rebuilding the temple. And Ezra came to bring reform, he came, came to bring spiritual reform. He came to, to work on the insides of the people, to get their hearts right, get their hearts ready. Years later, his counterpart Nehemiah comes to the city of Jerusalem. The temple is built, but he realizes that the walls of the city have been broken down. They were in rubble. The, the gates had been burned down, and the place was not safe. It was open to enemies coming in, and it was not a safe place. And Nehemiah came to rebuild the outside of the city. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So find in your Bible the book of Nehemiah. One of the precious gifts that I got last week for my birthday was all these really cool note cards. And so I like to, I like to mix it up a little bit when I preach. Sometimes I'll do PowerPoint. Sometimes I'll do stuff off my computer. Sometimes I'll print it out. And today I just wrote myself little notes to guide me through the passage of Scripture. Why don't you go to Nehemiah. We'll start obviously in the beginning. And we're going to learn some things from this, uh, this man who we'll discover here in just a moment that he was a cupbearer to the king. That was his job. He was a cupbearer to the king. Now it's actually kind of a really uh, elite position to be the, 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 the one who brings the king's wine to him, but it's also a dangerous job because if there's something tainted about the wine, he will have to taste it before he gives it to the king. And so that could be a good job most of the time. It could be also a deadly one, you know, depending on how that all goes. So we were looking at Nehemiah today and how he rebuilt the wall. You guys ready? So Nehemiah heard about the walls being burned down, and it says in Nehemiah chapter 1 that he wept. Look at uh, Verse, or chapter 1, verse 4 through 11. Nehemiah's prayer, it says, When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. I mourned a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of the heavens. And this is what I said. Lord, the God of the heavens, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins we have committed against you. Both I and my father's family have sinned. We have acted corruptly and have, um, towards you and have not kept the commands, statutes, and ordinances you gave your servants Moses. It says, please remember that you commanded your servant Moses, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles are banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to a place where I chose to have my name dwell. 
First of all, do you know that there's going to be a day when this is going to be so true of all the peoples of all the earth, those who are followers of Jesus, the ones who have put their hope and faith in God through their faith in Jesus, God's going to gather all the people, bring them to a place where he dwells. Hallelujah. That, that's got to give you hope for today. It's got to give you hope in the midst of whatever it is we walk in here with today, that there's going to be a day when we're all going to come to a place where he's going to dwell. And it's going to be a beautiful Beautiful thing. They are your servants and your people. You redeem them by your great power and strong hand. And then I wrote off to the side of my Bible this next verse. This is a great way to start every day. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Is that us, ladies and gentlemen? Those who have gathered here today, just in this church, just one church out of many churches in this town. Out of many churches in this city that we live in, out of many churches in the world, we gather, we delight to revere his name. Give your servant success today, because he's about ready to go to the king. He says, give your servant success today and grant him compassion in the presence of this man, the king. And then I love just at the end, at this time, I was the king's cup bearer. So trust was a huge issue when it came to being a trust bearer. The king had to trust the cup bearer. And, of course, the cupbearer had to trust the people who were providing him the wine. A lot of trust going on. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about your job? Okay, I want you to think about what it is that you do. Now, I'm looking at some of you that I know, and I, I know what you do as a job. And it's, it's, I love it. It's a variety. It's, like, it's, a, it's as unique as your faces. Like all the different things that you do. Now, I know some of you are kind of semi-retired, like you retired, but yet you're like, I'm bored. And your wife probably said, go back to work. And so you went back to work. You know, the extra money's nice. It'll give you something to do. But at the same time, you're like, you know, one of these days I'm going to be done. We got some teachers. We got some uh, um, nurses. We got all kinds of variety here. So I want you to think about your How do you feel about it? Do you work just for a paycheck? And you're like, some of you are like, yeah, I do, man. That's just what I do. I know i got to provide income for my family, and so I work for a paycheck. Or do you work to fulfill God's given purpose in your life? Is it possible to do both? Well, in my case, it's definitely possible to do both. Like, I'm, I'm a little spoiled when it comes to... That doesn't mean that all days are easy. Don't get me wrong. There are some career decision days that I go through. But, but just realize that you, where you are, what it is that you're doing today, is for you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. And so while you're there, I have some encouragement for you. Be excellent at what is good and be innocent at what is evil where you work. Be effective and productive in your job. Uh, gain, if you can, a new perspective of why it is that you go to work and what it is that God is asking you to do while you're there. Uh, think about the people that you're gonna, you impact, that you come in contact with each and every day. Another question, let me ask you this. In the process of just everyday life, how do you deal with rejection? I'll just be completely vulnerable with you. I am not really great at that. Take it pretty personal. And 
And that's something God's really working on me. Like I don't, like I said before, I don't, want to ever, I don't ever want to get calloused and hard and, and like uncaring. <laughs> but how do you deal with rejection? Do you, do you find yourself avoiding situations where rejection could be possible? Because the reason why I'm asking you this question is because you think about what's getting ready to happen as Nehemiah comes before the king. It's a real possibility he's going to get rejected. So how do, you, how do you deal with that? Do you avoid scenarios where rejection could happen? Like even, even like when my kids are smaller, I'd encourage them to go order uh, food themselves or whatever. And I don't know if it was for fear of rejection or what it was that they didn't want to do that, but I had to kind of push them out of their comfort zone a little bit. But there are some times where like if I need help and I'm like, you know what, I, need to, I just need to reach out, I need to ask for help. There's a part of me that before I hit send, I think, what if this person on the other end says no? And you know what happens? I tend to sometimes, like, I'll just go ahead and do it myself. Because I don't, want to, I don't want to hear no. Isn't that sad? That's silly. That, no, that's no pressure on you. Because if there's ever a time when I call you and ask for help, if you can't do it, it's okay to say, Brady, I can't do it right now. I'm sorry. Maybe have some suggestions of who could do it for me. But that's just something, that's just me personally. I don't know if that's you or not, if you go through those kind of things. So Nehemiah chapter 2, look at this. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. During the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was set before him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. Now, I don't know if he waited for the king to go ahead and just, go ahead and just drink up, king. Like, do you want another glass before he's going to approach him to ask the question? You know, like loosen him up just a little bit. And it says, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence, so the king said to me, why are you sad when you, it says, why are you sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. I was overwhelmed with fear and replied to the king, may the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors buried, uh, where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king asked me, what is your request? All right, so listen. So he's the king asked the question, what is your request? So now inside he's thinking, all right, here it goes. And let me ask you something. What, did the, what is the first thing we did before we built the wall? We prayed. What is the first thing that Nehemiah did? He prayed. He says, so I prayed to the God of the heavens and answered the king. A little side note. Listen to what... Uh, my friend Charles Spurgeon says about this particular prayer, he says, The prayer was strictly within himself, Nehemiah, offered to God. The duty and privilege of every Christian is to have set times of prayer. And I hope, I hope that you do. I hope for some of you it might just be on your way to work. It could be before you, uh, as you're having that first cup of coffee, or maybe it, it's uh, at night before you go to bed or whatever. You have a set time of prayer. But there is another valuable sort of prayer, namely the short, brief, quick, fervent prayers or frequent prayers of which Nehemiah used in this particular case. So let me ask you a question. So when are some times that you use these type of just quick, spur of the moment, just right before you take the next step kind of prayers? If you're a student, maybe it's right before the test gets handed to you. 
Uh, if you are in, if you're employed and you're working, maybe it's right before the meeting, right before you step into that meeting, you're like, all right, Lord, here I go. I know you're with me. Please give me the words to say. Give me patience. Help me hold my tongue. Anybody prayed that prayer before? Lord, help me hold. Like, more, there's some stuff I want to say, but just help me just listen. Uh, maybe, maybe a quick prayer when you, if you're a parent of a small child, you ever had your child uh, like throw one of those tantrums in a store? Anybody ever been there, done that? Courtney Kipping, falter. Have you ever thrown a fit like that in a store and your dad was there with you? Probably don't remember that, do you? Jeff was like, no, she was perfect. She never did that. But those are like one of those quick, oh, Lord, help me not to lose it right here. I'm going to whoop this child's bottom in front of everyone. I'll probably go to jail, all right? So, but it's worth it. doesn't matter. <laughs> She's praying for self-control. So the other day I was, uh, I was driving back from uh, Springfield and I stopped in Bolivar, Missouri to eat at Taco Bell. I don't know why I had a craving for Taco Bell. Probably not a good decision, all right? So, but I went and while I was there, uh, I, I'm, I'm always pretty, try to be pretty aware of my surroundings, kind of what's going on. And, I, and I, uh, I go and I get my food and I'm getting my condiments and I'm listening to this guy up at the counter and I realized quickly that it's not a, it's not a health, he wasn't ordering food, he was, he was getting angry at the manager. And as I'm listening, it's starting to get a little heated, and then he came to get an employee who had a uh, relative who had just lost the baby, and they, he needed to get the employee away from work to go to the hospital, and the, the older gentleman was trying to explain to the manager why she needed to leave. And the manager... Um, probably should have just said, hey, go. But he was trying to be like, well, you need, I need some proof that this really happened. Long story. But anyway, it started to get heated. And at that particular moment, I was like, okay, oh, all right, Lord. Um, what am I going to do? Like, if this guy goes across the counter, am I going to step in? Or am I going to get out my phone and dial 911? Like, I don't know. Like, but I was having this little, like, all right, Lord, like, prepare me. Like, what am I, my, my adrenaline started to flow. It's kind of like that fight or flight thing. I didn't know if I should just leave the nachos behind and leave, or if I should just go up and engage in, in, in this whole is, issue. So that, that was just an example of one of those quick prayers that I have. So the rebuilding begins. Let's get, let's get back to the story. The rebuilding begins, and then this, this theme of this story, so much of the story, is that uh, everyone did their part. I want you guys to think about that thought. Everyone did their part. And not only did they do their part, but it says in the scripture that their hands were strengthened to do the work of the Lord. And that's going to kind of frame, frame this conversation that we're going to have. And when it says everyone, it meant everyone. It says the priests, the rulers, sons, families. Like the work wasn't too, too small of a deal for everyone to get involved. Like when... Like, I try, to set, I try to set an example. We come early, we set up, I vacuum the carpet. For one, I vacuum the carpet because I can look back and say, look what I've done. I've accomplished something today. That's about the only time I can actually feel that way sometimes in this job. It's like, look what I accomplished. It was dirty, now it's clean. And so everyone did their part. They divided the work and everyone used their, their gifts to accomplish much. So here's my thought today. I think every single person in this room especially, and every single family, and whether you're a single family, Tina, everyone who is here today, your family has their own unique DNA. 
you have a unique set of skills. That was in a movie, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't remember what movie that was, but I think, yeah. You have, not to kill people, all right, by the way. You have a unique set of skills. And you bring something special to this body of Christ. You have a particular gift that you can bring to help the body of Christ function and to grow. Right? Does that make sense? You're resonating with that? Are you thinking about that? All of you, you come with, with um, particular talents. You see it up here on the stage? You, have come, you come with particular uh, resources, things that you know, or people that you know that we don't know. And you come and you, you are here to do your part. I love the fact that every one of these boxes has a unique name on the box. It represents an individual. It represents the family of that individual. And it's, it's those names that build this wall. It's your individual name and your, your gifts and abilities that build this body of Christ. And that's why it matters that you're here. And that's why it matters that you're connected. That's why it matters that you're not just here, but you're actually contributing to the work that the Lord is doing. Do you know what? It's not an option to serve. It is a calling. It is a requirement. Christ comes, gives you gifts, and then he wants you to go give them away to serve others. Did you know that? And let me just be honest with you. If you're not participating in that yet, you're missing. You're missing out. You're, you're, you're not being fulfilled with this, this gift that he's given you if you're not giving it back to him. And I think here's the deal. I think the real strength comes the moment that we put our hands to the task. If you're like, you know what, I know I need to, or I know I used to do it before, but I've kind of pulled back. The real strength, like we get the strength from the Lord. He strengthens our hands once we put our hands to the work. So that's kind of on us then to figure out what that looks like. I didn't show the video, did I? Well, you know what? Let's just show it right now, all right? Roll that beautiful bean footage there. I'm Tommy. And I'm Eddie. We're the Skit Guys. And we want to talk to you about signing up for children's ministry. Oh, yeah. If you want to be the smartest, coolest, tallest person in the room, work in children's ministry. I don't think that's the reason why you would work in children's ministry. That's a little selfish. Really? You got, you got a better reason? I do, actually. If you want to work in children's ministry, here's what you get. You always get free snacks, and once a month, your face will be covered with glitter. That's true. I'm yeah. signing up today. Yeah. That's why I'm going to work in children's ministry. And you know, Jesus said, hey, suffer the little children that come unto me. What better way to get involved and help usher them into the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, I'm signing up for the snacks, though. Yeah, they are pretty good. Mm -hmm. Snacks. Glitter. Show that video before the service started. But, listen... I'm unashamed about this. This is one way, one important way that you can serve the body of Christ. If, if everyone would just do their part and just do a little bit, build a little part of the wall, it wouldn't be so insurmountable 
But every church has this issue, and our church included, is to get enough people to volunteer to minister to children. And here's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. You have children and you bring them and there's nobody in there because we didn't get enough people to fill the position. And then we have to say, sorry, but we don't have anyone to serve today. We don't want that to happen. If you're a visitor and you come to church and you're like, hey, I want a special place for my kid to go and there's no one there serving, it's, it's, it, it's kind of sad that that's the case. This is Jamie. Jamie leads the children's ministry. And in your bulletin today is a link of how you can go on and sign up to serve. And if you don't even want to take that step, just come talk to Jamie personally and say, where can I serve? How can I do my part? Now, some of you, children's ministry is not your thing. Some of you are, are mean and grumpy and terrible with children, all right? Stay away from children's ministry unless you like glitter and snacks, all right? Does that make sense? Jamie should have so many people volunteer to serve in children's ministry that she'll sign you up. You don't have to serve once a quarter. You don't have to serve every Sunday. But guess what? Most of the time, Jamie's in there serving because she doesn't have enough volunteers. Okay? That shouldn't be the case. Shouldn't be the case. Thank you. All right? You might think, you might think to yourself, well, I'm not qualified. Or I don't have time. Or what if I fail? What if kids don't like me? <laughs> Or what if whatever it is, whatever job that God's calling me to do, what if I do it and I don't do it good enough? What if I fail? Well, let me tell you something. The surest way to fail is to do nothing at all. That's the number one way to fail. Just don't do anything. Just come in and consume and leave. That's how you'll fail. You'll fail the body. You'll fail yourself, actually, because you will not feel the fulfillment of being involved and serving at some kind of capacity. So you well, I don't know. What should I do? Like some of the things that are available for me to do, I don't really, that doesn't really fit my gift mix. Well, then figure out what that is. Nate, I heard that there's going to be some guys maybe coming over and shooting some guns. Dude, anybody else want to go shoot some guns in a safe manner, in a safe place to do that with a guy who knows what he's doing? Yeah, then that's the gift Nate has. He has some really cool ones, by the way. All right, so yeah, so check that out. Doing nothing at all is not an option. Because in Scripture it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that he's prepared things in advance for you to do. All right, better than that, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do those things. Things that he's prepared for you to do. Like he had those boxes prepared. We prepared those boxes today for the kids to write their name, to build this wall. And he's got a box for you with something good in it. So you got to put your hands to the task. So we were joking on Friday morning about the, uh, this kind of goes along with this idea of things that God has for us to do. We were joking on Friday morning at breakfast about the lists that our wives have for us of things that we're supposed to do. Any other men resonate with those lists? Maybe it's a text message, maybe it's a handwritten note, maybe it's just an assumption. Wives, don't ever do that, all right? Don't assume that we know. We don't know. And when I say we, I mean all of us. <laughs> we need a sign. Like, show us a sign, like, with an arrow and instructions, I don't know, or something. I don't know, a link to Google, but just give us a sign. But we, we think about that, and God has a list. God has a th things prepared in advance for us to do. All right, so do you remember, so remember the, 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 the building's going. I don't want you to forget this. The, the, the rebuilding of the wall is going. 
And in the process of building, remember last week I talked about when you're going to do something significant for the Lord, guess what? There's going to be some opposition. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to sign up. You say, Brady, I'm in. You guilted me in. I feel terrible. Sign me up for children's ministry. Please help me, God, all right? And as soon as you do that, a conflict is going to come up on your schedule. And you're going to be tempted to say, you know what? Man, something more important has come. I just can't do it. Don't fall for that. Unless it's an emergency, obviously, I understand. We get that. But don't fall for that. Say, nope, no, I made a commitment. I got my part of the wall to build. I got to be there. I got to show up. I got to do my part. Opposition is going to come. So in my, in my Bible, turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. In my Bible, the subtitle for this particular passage of Scripture says, Progress in spite of... Of, of opposition, all right? Progress in spite of opposition. Can I get an amen to know that this is life, ladies and gentlemen? Progress in the spite of opposition. It's going to come, y'all. Just like I tell young married couples, uh, marriage is, some not, is synonymous with conflict. It's going to happen. Learn how to deal with it effectively. So what do you do? How do you handle the opposition. So look at cha- uh, chapter 4, verse 9. When mocking came, when opposition came against them rebuilding this wall, in verse 9 it says, So we prayed to our God and stationed a guard be- because of them day and night. Take necessary steps to deal with the opposition, to deal with the conflict that comes. Go, to, go into action. First thing we do, we pray. And then we stand guard. We keep our eye out. We look for the opposite. We look for it coming. Be, I tell people when they get baptized, as soon as you get baptized, the enemy's going to come. Look for the opposition. It's going to happen. And you need to be prepared to walk through that, to get on the other side of that. I don't know why they were opposing it so much. I don't know if they were jealous. I mean, I'm just going to ask you this question real quick. How do you deal with someone else's success? How do you deal with that? Like when you see somebody else maybe in your career field just killing it and they're doing better than you. How do you deal with that? Or you may see other families that just seem like they have it all together. The Wilson boys come in, their hair's combed perfectly, but, they know, but I know their story. They, they can tell you, like it is a battle, you know, a good battle, but it's a battle. My wife used to get kids to church when I, I don't go to church early, eat a McMuffin while she was combing hair and battling kids and getting them in the car and getting them to church. How do you deal with somebody else's success? Do you rejoice with them? That's what we're supposed to do. Or do you get jealous? Confession time. The church I used to serve at for a, a really long time in this community is building an incredible new building. And I'll just be honest with you, I'm a little bit jealous about that. I am. It's my flesh. I'm sorry. I think it's going to be pretty amazing. I think someday, once it's built, they'll probably let us use it for something, you know, which would be awesome. <laughs> Build it. I was hoping they'd get it done before my daughter was ready to get married. <laughs> That'd be really cool, you know, but it's not going to be done in time. I'm just being real with you. There's just a part of me that's like, man, wouldn't that be nice if? But then I step back and think, you know what? But, but, but just like you have your own DNA, so do we as a church. 
We have our own unique DNA, our own purpose and place in this community. We, we have our own part of the wall to build in this community. And so, bless you. The other day, I was, uh, I was, my, it was storming, and my dogs were freaking out. I got a big dog and a little dog, but they're both babies, all right? And so the big dog, she's like trying to get up on my lap, and I'm petting her, and, and I call the little dog over. Her name is Tutu. I say, Tutu, come here. And it's every time I would say Tutu's name, the big dog would whine. Like, don't pay attention to Tutu. Pay attention to me. Is that you sometimes? That's me sometimes. <laughs> Every time somebody else is getting attention, you're like, oh, hello, what about me? Over here, Lord. <laughs> and I don't know why these people were being, why they were opposing this so much. But Nehemiah encouraged the people. Look at chapter 4, verse 14. It says that after he made an inspection of the wall and he stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, he said, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Braveheart. (laughs) I I hear Nehemiah saying, they can't take our freedom, you know. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord Fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. Listen. This is so incredible. I, I, think, I, I think we're going to end here because we're just running out of time. And I'm gonna, I'll finish this sermon next week. Uh, worship team, go ahead and come on up. I want to I finish with this. Listen. So the people... They're, they're all about their task. The opposition has come. They've dealt with it. They're doing their part. Everyone is working hard. They're, like, they're just doing what's in front of them. Like, just don't want you to think about that. What has God put in front of you? And they're doing it. They're faithful. They're using their gifts. They're building the wall. It's, it's, the work is getting done. It's awesome. But they started realizing that they were getting kind of spread out. And that kind of put them, um, those people that were getting spread out kind of put them at danger. And listen what it says just a little bit further down in, in chapter 4, verse 19. It says, Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is enormous and spread out. And we are separated far from one another along the wall. You know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of Monday through Saturday with all of you. We're separated. And we have to be. We can't stay here all week. The school won't let us. And that would just be weird. We'd all get hungry and we'd run out of donuts, all right? They were far from one another along the wall. But listen what Nehemiah says, all right? Are we going to celebrate? What what are we playing? What's this song? Yes and amen, all right? We're just going to celebrate a little bit. We're just going to worship together at the end here. Listen to this. It says, verse 20, Whenever or wherever you hear the trumpet sound, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. You know what that makes me think of, ladies and gentlemen? That makes me think of every single Sunday. Every single Sunday, 
listen to this, we blow a trumpet and we pray for people to rally to this place. To rally to this place knowing that God will fight for us when we get here. And so that we're not separated anymore, so that we're together. So that we can connect with some other people that are like-minded. And listen, if you walked in and you don't feel connected, you got, let's make sure nobody feels that way, all right? Let's rally to each other. Let's come alongside each other. Let's encourage one another. Okay, men, show up tonight at 6 o'clock in Weston. Bring your chair. Rally together. And let's fight for one another. Okay, look for opportunities to be involved in small groups. Look for opportunities to serve. Go to that link in the webpage and say, I'm signing up. I'm going to be relentless until I find something I can do to build my part of the wall. Can you, do you get it? Does it make sense? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you taking, are you, what it is you receive when I'm laying down? I don't know what, it, what the word is. Pick up what I'm putting down. All right, see, there you go. I'm not that cool. Not as cool as I thought I was. All right, we're going to finish the sermon next week, part two. All right, I have like more cards to go through. We don't have enough time. Let's worship together. Let's celebrate together. If you need prayer for anything, come up for prayer. Amen. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.